Hello, Louisiana. I'm Kerry Martin, and this is the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast for Monday, September 16th of 2019. Welcome to the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast, a look at the latest news in Louisiana agriculture. Now, here's the host of the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast, Carrie Martin. We'll be heading to the polls in just a few weeks to elect a new state legislature. And with at least 55 legislators term limited out of office, there will be a lot of new faces in the state capitol this fall. And it's more important than ever that farmers and agribusiness professionals get involved in the political process. We'll discuss that with Troy Romero. He's a candidate for state representative. We'll talk agriculture and more coming up with Troy later in the podcast. But first, here's a look at news headlines. The trade war with China could be easing up a bit as China bought $67 million worth of U.S. soybeans last week and said it would exempt American pork and soy from additional tariffs taking effect this month. President Trump in turn delayed for two weeks until October 15th the imposition of additional tariffs on Chinese goods. Mark Jekinowski is chairman of the USDA Outlook Board and he expects to see more U.S. soybean sales to China. It actually are... Exports to China have been pretty high. They're actually, for the time of year, you know, sort of off-season exports, they've been record large. The pattern has changed. We haven't been, since last year, historically, there would always be a big surge in exports, U.S. exports to China as the crop was being harvested. That didn't happen last year, but now uh, China has been making some fairly large purchases out of the stocks that have been carried in from last year's crop and that has been showing up in recent export inspection data and we expect that kind of um, export demand to continue into next year. We're seeing just the opposite with cotton. A lack of export sales has put big pressure on cotton prices this summer and prices for this new crop just about to come out of the field could be significantly lower than last year's. Gary Crawford has more from Washington. Cotton producers, USDA's latest forecasts don't paint a rosy picture for you. Now, yes, you are working on a crop that could be 21.9 million bales. That's a pretty big increase from last year, uh, increase of about 3.5 million bales. Or 19%. USDA's Acting Outlook Chairman Mark Chekanowski says that'll send stocks up by 48% to over 7 million bales. And to use an understatement... That's a lot. A lot. Result, prices dropping also a lot. Just reflecting what's happening in the cash and futures markets right now. They've really seemingly collapsed over the past several months. So we're seeing a pretty important decline in demand at the global level. And that probably reflects a slowing global economy, trade tensions with China. Prices for this new crop in the ground now could average only 58 cents a pound, 12 and a half cents less than for old crop cotton. So for producers, USDA's chief economist Rob Johansson told us frankly, they're going to have some belt tightening ahead of them. In Washington, Gary Crawford for the U.S. Department of Agriculture. Milk prices have topped levels not seen in many years. Class 3 milk last week topped $19 per hundredweight. Brian Doherty of Stuart Pearson's Total Farm Marketing says it's been roughly five years since producers have seen milk prices at this level. The 
Yeah, well, good things come to those who wait, right? It's It's been a long time, and uh, specifically, you know, you're looking at a market right now that's kind of all of a sudden clicking on a lot of cylinders, and the cheese market's been really strong. We think the catalyst behind that securing of inventories as you head into not only football season but the holiday season it's not untypical this time of year and it looks like we have may have seen some processors just get short bought and now they're chasing it and the board's seen short covering so usually when you see a big run like this it's a combination of things brian doherty with stuart pearson's total farm marketing USDA released its latest cotton crop production and supply and demand report numbers on Thursday of last week. Don Molino takes a closer look. In its latest report on the 2019 cotton crop, USDA lowered beginning stocks, production, exports, and consumption. Dr. Jody Campici is Vice President of Economics for the National Cotton Council. So the 2019 production estimate was reduced by about 650,000 bills to $21.9 million. And most of that's due to drier conditions in the southwest. We've been seeing that in the crop progress report, so it's not really surprising. If that number is realized, this would be the highest level of production since the 2005 marketing year. So even with the lower level projected as compared to last month, we're still going to have a lot of U.S. cotton. USDA did reduce U.S. mill use by 100,000 bills, and they reduced U.S. exports for the 2019 crop year from 17 million to 16.5 million bills. And some of that's due to lower U.S. production. Some of it's due to a reduction in the U.S. share of the world cotton trade. If the U.S.-China trade dispute doesn't get resolved for the 2019 crop year, reaching 16.5 million bills in exports could be difficult. Dr. Campeche says there were no real surprises in the WASDE report for U.S. cotton as a whole. I will say one thing USDA did is they go they went in and made some historical revisions to US exports and that was for the 2017 and 2018 crop year and that's just mostly due to some of the data sources that they use they started to notice larger discrepancies between those data sources so for this uh, September report they actually made some uh, some changes and increased US exports for both 2017 and 2018 so when that was done, it actually ended up in slightly lower ending stocks for the 2018 crop year, but it still resulted in higher ending stocks of 7.2 million bills for the 2019 crop year. And that's the highest level of ending stocks that we would have in about 12 years. And USDA only made small changes in the world numbers, and those weren't very surprising. USDA lowered world production by about 700,000 bales. A lot of that was due to the U.S. Some of that was in Australia as well, and that was just offset by some increases in India. One thing that really doesn't help the balance sheet was that USDA lowered the 2019 world consumption number by 1.3 million bales. Most of those reductions were in China, India, and Brazil. So with production being greater than consumption, we end up with a higher level of ending stock for the world in 2019. But it's important to note as we look at the estimates as compared to last month, India actually accounts for almost all of that increase in stocks. That was about a $2 million bill increase, and that's due to India's minimum support price and the fact that they have it in place. Indian cotton is just currently not competitive in the world market. So that's one positive for U.S. cotton because India is a big cotton exporter. So if they're out of the market, that gives more opportunity for U.S. to export. In its latest Louisiana crop production report from USDA, Upland cotton production is now forecast at 550,000 bales, unchanged from the August 1st forecast, but 130,000 bales above last year. Yield in Louisiana now expected to average 978 pounds per harvested acre, 
unchanged from last month, but down 89 pounds from 2018. Producers in Louisiana expect to harvest 270,000 acres, up 81,000 from 2018. I'm Don Molino on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. Money is now in place to pay farmers affected by the insolvency of Lakeland Cotton and Grain in Winsboro. Louisiana Commissioner of Agriculture and Forestry, Mike Strain. We were able to move approximately $5.63 million and 450000 from the self-insurance fund. That is now immediately available. And also today we had a meeting of the Louisiana Agricultural Finance Authority that extended a open line of credit should the Cotton and Grain Indemnity Fund become insufficient. So a line of credit uh, was established there uh, with a cap of approximately $4.4 million. Strain says he will begin making payments to farmers this week. We have the funds. We will begin making payments on Friday. I repeat, we will begin making payments to the farmers uh, with Lakeland Cotton and Grain on Friday. That is a look at some of the latest news headlines in Louisiana agriculture. Remember, you can always check our website, voiceoflouisianaagriculture.com. We update that every weekday with all the latest news and happenings in Louisiana agriculture. While you're there, be sure to subscribe to our daily e-newsletter. It's called The Daily Voice. Just click the button in the middle of the home page on the website, fill out your name, email address, and we'll send The Daily Voice right to your inbox every weekday morning at 5 a.m. Now let's look at the markets on The Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. We saw a higher close today for soybeans, corn, and wheat, while the rice market finished lower and the cotton market closed mixed. Arlen Suderman is a market analyst with FC Stone. You say, well, if the biofuels are getting uh, some support for corn and soybeans, why aren't soybeans higher? And it's because we have a billion bushel carryover vol crop stocks is the primary reason there. And the market's assuming that we have a good crop out there in the field based on USDA data that they have to this point. And so it's making a little bit reluctant for them to get too bullish here, even on the Chinese purchases, when we're not seeing the shipments of those purchases nor the scope of the purchases that were first rumored. The first talk was 5 million metric tons of soybeans. We've, we've seen chatter of 600,000 in confirmation of less than 500,000. Soybeans closed slightly higher. The November contract finally broke $9. It was up one and a quarter, closing at $9 even. January beans up one and a half, 9.13 and three quarters. A strong movement upward in the corn market. December corn up five and a quarter, 3.74. March corn up four and a quarter, 386. New crop July wheat up five and a half, 503 a bushel. Rough rice closed lower. November rice down four, 1221 and a half. January rice down four and a half, closing at 1236 and a half. November sugar up four points, finishing the day at 25.55 cents. Now with a look at the cotton market, here's Don Molino. Cotton futures at New York showed slight gains in the front months on Monday, with nearby October down three points. CFTC data showed specs trimming their net short positions to 34,564 contracts by trimming 4,717 contracts from the week ending September 10th. The Cotlick Index up on September 13th at 73.55 a pound. The weekly average world price, 52.28, that's effective through next Thursday. At New York Monday afternoon, cotton futures mostly slightly higher. October, as I said, down three at 6160. 
You crop December cotton finished at 62.56, up 28, while March cotton finished today at 62.95, up 17. The spot market price for North and South Delta both finished at 60.59, down 4. I'm Don Molino on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. In the cash-fed cattle market last week, the market moved higher as we progressed through the week. We ended with packers paying another dollar for cattle in just about all the regions. The price spread in the south ranged from a low early in the week of $97 all the way up to Friday sales at $100. In the north, sales reached 102 on Friday, but sold as low as $97 earlier in the week. Most dress sales last week remained at 159 to 160 That's $5 lower compared to the previous week. Cattle futures were lower. October live cattle down 7 at $98 even. October feeder cattle down 37, 134.20. November feeders down 85, 133.17. The fall election is just a few weeks away, and agriculture could lose a lot of clout in Baton Rouge. That's because at least 55 legislators are term limited. So it's more important than ever that farmers and agribusiness professionals get involved in the political process. We'll talk with Troy Romero, owner of Sports Turf Specialist in Lacassine. He's running for state representative. Troy Romero is next on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. What comes out of the ground, creates energy, and has been a major contributor to Louisiana's economy for over two centuries? No, it's not oil. It's sugar. Sugar cane, sweet sugar cane. Ever since the Jesuits began cultivating sugar in colonial Louisiana, this sweet crop has had a major impact on our economic well-being. Each year, our sugarcane industry creates an economic boon of nearly $3 billion for the Bayou State. This vital business engine supports fuel and fertilizer distributors, tractor and automotive dealerships, supermarkets, and more than 15,000 Louisiana jobs. The sugar industry also benefits research universities and schools, banks, and insurance agencies. Sugarcane, sweet sugarcane. The Louisiana sugarcane industry. Helping empower the people of Louisiana for more than 220 years. Louisiana Sugar, making life sweeter, naturally. The Voice of Louisiana Agriculture Podcast. We're talking with Troy Romero. Troy, tell me first off uh, where you're from and tell me about your business. I'm from Lacassine, Louisiana, and I own a company called Sports Turf Specialist, and I'm a general contractor who builds sports and athletic fields all across the South. Now, how is that related to agriculture? I guess you deal with a lot of grass farming. I do. I build only natural grass fields, so I cut my teeth on a turf grass farms over in Welsh and learned how to do this, and then now I buy grass from them and from other places, and I take those grasses and put them on spring them on these fields and grow them in. The issues that you deal with in your business, uh, you deal with a lot of farmers to start with to, uh, to get your grass, and a lot of the same issues that you deal with are the same things that farmers are dealing with. A lot of the agricultural issues, uh, I guess labor, sounds like a really big issue for you. 
Labor's a major issue because my company is having to use H-2B workers because there are no workers that are available that will do the work that I need. The labor is difficult and, and we're, not ha we're having trouble getting local labor to be able to help us. So I use the H-2B program and the H-2B program right now is in a shambles. We can't get the federal government to understand that 66,000 visas is not enough nationwide. Louisiana is one of the largest per capita users of the H-2B program, and we've got to get our legislators involved on, on the federal level, asking the federal government to fix this program. I know you've been very involved in Farm Bureau as well as the LSU Ag Leadership Program. How important is, is it to you to be involved in organizations and programs like that? Ag Leadership has taught me from going through the program and also being the president of the Alumni Association that the connections statewide are much the same. So what the guys in the cotton industry or the row crop industry or the forestry industry or even the seafood industry, we have like problems and we need to stand together as a group to solve those problems. And it's, that's the reason why it's important that I run for this office at this time. Troy, you are running for state representative in your area. Why did you decide to do that? There's a number of different reasons, but one of the biggest reasons, when I looked at the, at the turnover ratio that's going to happen this year, uh, because of term limits, there's going to be a huge turnover in both the legislature as well as the Senate. And we've got to keep people that are involved in agriculture in office. Uh, if not, we're going to start losing exemptions. We're going to start losing uh, a, a lot of things that, would, that, that agriculture in this state depend on. It's, it's very important that not only, you know, uh, that the people in southwest Louisiana support me, but also anyone that's running in agriculture statewide. The state needs to stand behind agriculture. It's the most important thing that we can do right now, that and oil and gas. Well, Troy, we don't have a lot of farmers or agribusiness professionals in the legislature, just a handful of them right now. How important is it that farmers get involved in politics? Maybe not running for office like you, but there are a lot of different things that farmers can do to be active in the political scene. How important do you think that is for agriculture? It's very important. It's a, it's a necessity. If you're going to continue to farm, farming has gone from uh, family farms to more business-like farms. And it's what we're taught in that Ag Leadership Program. And I suggest that anyone that is interested in that Ag Leadership Program get a hold of me or anyone that's involved because it's important that they get into that program so they can learn. And, and like I said, it's, it's statewide it's becoming more of a business. So we have to stand together. To, to be able to fight, or fight, fight, not just for agriculture business, but for small business in general across the state. We've got to stay involved. Our agriculture is, you know, we see it. It's, it they're, they're, it's going by the wayside. We've got to keep that integrity of the family farm and agribusiness in the state of Louisiana. Troy, if someone wants to help you out in your campaign, where do they go for information? I have a website. I'm on Facebook, Troy Romero for uh, state representative. And I'm running in District 37. They can contact me by cell phone if they would like to. And, uh, and, and my name is out there. Just uh, They can call Farm Bureau. Troy Romero, running for state representative here in Louisiana. Thanks a lot, Troy. Appreciate your time. Thank you, Kerry. I appreciate it. That wraps up our Monday edition of the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. We'll be back with you tomorrow. But in the meantime, connect with us on social media. We're on both Facebook and Twitter. The handle is at Voice of LA Ag. We'll see you tomorrow right here on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. Thanks for listening to the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. This podcast is produced by Kerry Martin and the Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation.
For more information, be sure to check out our website, voiceoflouisianaagriculture.org and lafarmbureau.org.